And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to another Fastened Like Nails. Molly, I am extremely excited about today. Me too. But the reason I'm excited is because of the way you've titled this broadcast. Oh, I don't even know. Apotesis. Protesis, apotesis. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't think our audience is familiar with those terms. No. Protesis, some would call it protesis. Oh. Protesis and opotesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and these words come from the Bible. They come from... Um, actually, they don't come from the Bible. They they we <laughs> we they come probably from the Latin terms, but mm-hmm. they uh, mean if and then. then, and they are used in the Bible, so kind of similar. They're used a lot in the Bible, and most people I would think that don't even pay attention to them. The first time it appears in in uh, Proverbs chapter two, um, it appears in a way that if you do this, the mm-hmm. result will be then this will happen. Mm. So as we're unfolding this fourth wisdom lesson, it's about if then. If you do this, then this will happen. And this is right on the cusp of wisdom's lesson. So in the the first two lessons, the father was speaking to the son. Then there was this short break, and wisdom is husband speaking. And now— Well, actually, there were were two wisdom lessons. The first one Mm -hmm. was, just just as a matter of review, my son, Mm -hmm. obey the correction correction of of your your father father and the teaching of your mother. And don't neglect— the Mother. teaching or Torah of your mom. Mm-hmm. That's lesson number one. And uh, great rewards if you if you obey and listen. Mm-hmm. You um, get you're like an Olympic winner. You're <laughs> you cross the finish line. You're honored. You're mm-hmm. lifted up and honored. A yes. wreath on your head and and gold chains around your neck. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is extremely important because if you listen to mom and dad, then the next one is you're going to be choosing your friends wisely. Mm-hmm. And um, it talks about what friends to stay away from. Friends that are greedy of gain mm-hmm. and take advantage of weaker people. Weaker people, yeah. and that will that will be a characteristic of people you want to stay away from mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. Because those people that have those kinds of character traits are um, people you just don't want to have as as your friends mm-hmm. or coworkers or you know people as a part of your influence. Because those people will always, in some way be taking advantage of other people. Yeah, and we talked about bad company corrupts good morals. Mm, good and uh, if, the, if the character of these people are not reflecting Christ, who ultimately that's who we're supposed to be emulating, uh, then they're not going to build you up. They're going to just tear you down. Yep, the people you marry, the schools you attend, mm-hmm. the churches you attend. Um, you want to surround yourself at all ages with people of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Um, flee youthful lusts, but follow after. So you want to be around people, especially when you're younger, mm-hmm. that are constantly fleeing and following. Following those who call upon the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. One of my favorite quotes is by it's Sir Knight of the Splendid Way, and it's the, though righteous man falls seven times, he is, or maybe that's from Proverbs. He gets back up. But yeah, because uh, the righteous are not determined by the fall, but by the rising after the fall. And that was on one of our posters in the hallway. Mm. And every time I saw it, it would just kind of strike me like, whoa, that's so encouraging because, you know, here we are as humans in this world and and we're going to mess up on a daily basis. And it's frustrating and irritating. And it can be like, I'm struggling with the same thing over and over again. But just to see that quote in in the book and to think like, you know what, that's that's beautiful. Like no matter how many times we mess up, we're not determined by that, but by the rising after the fall. Okay, so. I'm going to challenge you on something. I want you to think it through. Yeah. I, 
I don't think that we mess up on a daily basis. Really? No. Do you think so? I think so. At least <clears throat> I do. I I don't see that. Um, well, I guess maybe it depends on what you're talking about because, I mean, I'm talking about there's always an inward struggle. Like I'm doing something and then there'll just be this flash of selfishness or pride that'll come up. Like I'm sitting there and I'm in the zone and then someone comes up and it's like, hey, you know, um, your car's in front of my car. Can you please move it? And I'm like, oh, I just sat down to do this thing. And then, you know, wrestling with that and just being like, you know what, that's 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 selfishness, you know, being able to recognize that and be like, no, be, be giving in this moment. I'd say something like that. It doesn't really honor God to have that thought or to give a little bit of an attitude, you know, or. Well, that's interesting. Molly, thank you for being so open and honest about your life. <laughs> now, for me. I go months without having <laughs> any issues whatsoever in my life. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I don't struggle with pride at all. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying about like, you know, Paul talks about, you know, when you're not walking in the flesh and you're not continually like living in sexual sin or cussing all the time. Like, you know, when you may struggle with that, but not living this blatant things, yeah. lifestyle. I get it. There's, there's a little bit I of a difference. It. I go through the same thing. And for those that yeah. are better listen, I do not go months without having <laughs> issues. Okay. So Proverbs chapter 2, lesson number 4, we opened with this as an apodosis or prodosis, um, apodosis, if then, and it starts off with, uh, my son, if you, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, that's how it starts. And so it starts with the, the pattern of my son, that's how you know it's one of the wisdom lessons, mm-hmm. my son, if, so there's that big apodosis, if you receive my words. So that you can gloss over that so easily. Mm-hmm. But that's where it, that's where it all starts, his yeah. words. Which isn't the wisdom literature full of this? Like David, when he's writing in the Psalms, doesn't he talk a lot about this kind of cause and effect? Like if this happens, then this mm-hmm. will happen. Absolutely. However, wisdom itself, it first appears in Exodus 28. Oh, cool. That's the first time it appears in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's about all these people that are craftsmen, women, men and women, who are building, you know, the curtains, the Ark of the Covenant, not the Ark, the, the tabernacle mm-hmm. furniture, et cetera, the tent of meeting. And uh, it says that they are filled with the spirit of God and the mm. spirit of wisdom. And it says they're filled with intelligence and craftsmanship to do all sorts of creative works. That's beautiful. In jewels, in embroidery. And you name it. So these people are your highest level craftsmen. Mm. And and it says also, and this is what I love about this section of wisdom in chapter Exodus chapter 28 through 36. This is where you find the majority of wisdom in the Pentateuch. And it, it, what I love about what it, how it characterizes wisdom, and it says this, it says, and their hearts were stirred to do the work of the oh, Lord. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's inspiring. Uh, Molly, God's given you some dreams, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so those dreams, I believe that people have these dreams like, I want to do something for the Lord, right? Yeah. But once the dreams become vision, and the only way they can become vision, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. The only way that a dream can become vision is through wisdom. Oh, yeah. The acquiring of wisdom is costly. Grace is free. Wisdom is costly. Mm. And so the way you transfer a dream into a vision is by a willingness your heart being stirred to pay a price to gain the knowledge, to gain the experience, to gain the mentorship, mm-hmm. to go out there and find it. Recently, one of our coworkers, Sarah, 
she uh, came. You were you were there mm-hmm. when she came. She's like, I want to have. Um, I want to further my education. I want to be a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. She loves music. We've benefited by oh, the yeah. songs that she's, she's written. She's written these beautiful songs that we sing in worship with the students here. Amazing. And yeah, it they they move us to tears like they're Amazing. so genuine. Yeah, every time she we do a new song that I've never heard before, I'm like, <laughs> where'd you get get that song? It's like mm-hmm. Sarah wrote it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when we were in New Jersey performing The Unlikely Wise Men, um, people came up to us afterwards saying, where can we get that music? Mm-hmm. You know, and where do you hear that happening today? Yeah. You know, modern music is just, it lasts a year maybe, shelf mm-hmm. life. Sarah's music is going to last until the Lord returns. Yeah. So good. Well, so, and beyond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Wouldn't that be awesome? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. God wants us to not be complacent, not be standing mm-hmm. still, but to continue to become sharp. And when we become sharp and reach a level of excellence and creative and beautiful, what happens is we become more joyful in our work because it's our work now has become a piece of art. Yeah. The way we speak, the way we sew, the way we cook, mm-hmm. the way we build – the way we, you know, do anything in life. And that's a form of wisdom. And so what lesson number four is all about, it's going to teach us how to acquire this wisdom. And the very first thing he says is, my son, if, it's not a given, mm-hmm. if you receive my words, that's the key. Oh, Starts and that's what there. we talked about in <clears throat> Uh, last week's lesson, right? The turn at my reproof and I'll show you the fear of the Lord. She was kind of addressing everyone. It was a little more intense. So is that like the words that she's speaking? Lesson number three. Yeah. If you turn at my reproof, Mm -hmm. pour out my spirit unto you, Mm -hmm. and I will make known my words words unto you. That's beautiful. Words only come to us when we're willing to receive the correction that God brings into our life. So humility is kind of wrapped up a little bit into wisdom. Foundation for knowledge. Mm. Yeah. And you can't have Wisdom without knowledge first. So knowledge is acquired first. Oh, cool. That's why it says to know wisdom uh-huh. and correction. That's knowledge, wisdom, correction. Okay, um, so what happens if you receive her words? Well, that that's really cool what you said, though. And lesson number three. So first one's, uh-huh. uh, you know, listen, obey mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, don't neglect their teaching. Choose your friends wisely. And then receive, embrace correction. Wisdom will pour out her spirit and make known her words. Lesson number four, my son, if you receive these words, it's it's following up what mm. it just taught us. Mm-hmm. You're going to receive her words by being corrected, and now you have to now pursue her words mm. by knowing them. And we learned about that in chapter one. It was even the man of understanding and wisdom will continue to hear and increase learning and will attain wise counselors. So counsel so you don't reach the state of perfection. <laughs> you can't gain wisdom without the knowledge of God. Mm. And you can't gain the knowledge of God without pursuing it, persevering pursuit of God's knowledge. And that's mm-hmm. only through his word. That's beautiful. Or through biographies of other people that have been influenced by God's word. You know, you're going to find mm-hmm. other—I love the Lamplighter books because they're just woven with God's word. And so I see God's word revealed in a different way uh-huh. that's been, you know, applied to my life. And I'm like, oh, I— and then when I find myself in those situations, I think of the stories and how they play themselves out, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, I, I'm mm-hmm. going to wait. I'm going to wait. God's got me in this area. So is wisdom almost like applied knowledge or how would you define wisdom? I think you're going to see it for yourself. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to define it. I mean, it could. <laughs> I, I think it's more than applied knowledge. I think uh-huh. it's, you ready for this? Yeah. 
I think it's living knowledge. Mm. It's not just the application of it, but it's a natural way of life. So it's the way you see things. Um, you're, you're seeing things through the lens of God's knowledge. In which, so his knowledge allows you to see truth and error, allows you to see what's truly beautiful, you know, what's mm. truly a reflection of his character and glory. And so you see life through a different lens. You th- see it through a wise eye. Mm. And uh, that gives you insight, gives you discretion, gives you discernment. And so it's a way of um, – it also gives you caution. Um, mm. I see a lot of construction workers, carpenters with missing fingers. It comes right out of Ecclesiastes. You know, if mm. the X is dull, you have to use more strength, but wisdom is, gives you success. Mm. You know, if you're moving a rock, be careful. It's, you're going to be hurt by it. If you're um, digging a hole, you can be, you know, engulfed by it. Mm. So there's a sense of what wisdom brings success and that it causes you to be careful. And you're careful because you've had experience and you know what's work, what works and what doesn't work, mm. what leads to danger. Okay, so back to my son, if you receive my words. And then secondly treasure up my commandments with you. So those are the first two things that you have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Really have God's word hidden in your heart. And then secondly, really uh, treasure up his commandments so that they're important to you, that you're not just forgetful of them. Joshua 1.8 says, you know, this book of the law will not depart out of my mouth, but I'll meditate on it day and night mm-hmm. that I may observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then I'll find good success. Verily thou shalt dwell in the land. No, it says... Uh, and then uh, make the way prosperous. You make your way prosperous, and the Lord thy God will be with you. Whithersoever thou goest. Yeah, and you don't have to be dismayed, or the word dismayed is to be shattered. Things aren't happening the way you think they oh, should. Oh, that's be. really interesting. Yeah, your life doesn't Whoa. fall apart when things don't happen exactly the way you think they're supposed to, when they're supposed to. That's crazy. Because God's with you, and you can trust Him. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in this section, is this the Father saying, if you receive my words, so it's the Father's words, and the Father's words are of wisdom? Um, well, the Father's words are the words that are reflective of God's words, because you're going to see that mm-hmm. with wisdom saying. This is really kind of like a parallel to wisdom's words. So there's the first if. My son, if you receive my words, treasure up my commandments with you, making, here's number two, make your ear attentive to wisdom, applying your heart to discernment. Yes, if you cry out for insight and lift up your voice for discretion. Molly, that's the second if. Oh, interesting. If you seek her like silver and search for her as hidden treasures. Third if. Third if in one paragraph. Okay? (laughs) So you can't miss that. I think there's probably an implied one in if making your ear attentive to wisdom, right? Yes. You said an implied one. Yeah, and where where is that if? Uh, If if you make your ear attentive. If you make your ear attentive to wisdom. And if you... Lift up your voice for discretion. Yeah, all of those. Okay, so wisdom is saying that she offers you everything for free. What? No. <laughs> no, look at all that you have to do. There's there's eight calls to action here. Mm. Eight action items. First one, if you receive my words. Second one, if you treasure up my commandments. Third one. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Fourth one. Apply your heart to discernment. Fifth one. Cry out for insight. Six. Lift your voice for discretion. Seven. Seek her like silver. Eight. Search for her as for hidden treasures. Wow. That's a lot. That That is a lot of things. It's a lot of requirement. And there's eight. Eight is always the number for new beginnings. And they're all actions. Yes. 
yeah. receive, treasure, apply, listen, cry. We do so much to prepare our children for life by making them go through the traditional Western steps of education, mm. kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. What a waste. It's, it is a, um, it's really a waste. Mm. Let me tell you why. Now, for those of you who are listening to me and saying like, okay, if you're an educator and you're thinking like, how can I say such a thing? I was a public school teacher. I was a Christian school administrator and a homeschool dad. Even though my wife would say I wasn't a homeschool dad, my wife would say hey, I was I was a dad in what she was doing homeschool. <laughs> I taught Bible. <laughs> and you were public schooled yourself. Yes. I went both to private school um, for the first six years, and then I went to public school 7 through 12. And um, I learned absolutely nothing. <laughs> Zero. I cannot even think Except of— Except for the fact that you learned absolutely nothing. I, I learned math. I learned how to add, subtract, multiply, <laughs> and divide by— you know, third grade. Mm-hmm. And I, I take those skills with me wherever I go. So those are important skills. Mm-hmm. I learned nothing else. Okay, so I learned how to read. Yay. You know, that was good. Um, but from seventh grade on, I learned absolutely nothing. Okay? And so what our children need more than anything is they need wisdom. They need character. Now, if their character is developed first, then everything else is going to follow. Mm. If they gain wisdom they will have access to something, Molly, that can change this world. Mm-hmm. Let me let me show you where we're going with this. Oh, okay. Please do. So here's the first eight steps to acquiring wisdom. It's not free. If you do these things, then there's a promise. Ready? Mm-hmm. If you seek wisdom according to her eight requirements, <laughs> then, then, what'll happen? You'll understand the fear of the Lord, and you will find something. The knowledge of God. Okay. Do you, do you understand what that means? Uh, I think you're about to tell me. No, no. I want you to think it through. If you find the knowledge of God, what uh-huh. do you possess? Well, I did read ahead to the end of the blog post, and um, we were just talking about Job the other day. And I'm pretty sure that in Job, the Lord answers him out of the whirlwind. And wasn't it in Job that it was said that um, the Lord possessed wisdom at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Like and out of, like, wisdom was there personified or whatever. What's the exact verse? Uh, well, it's in Proverbs chapter eight. You're talking about the one in Job. Yeah. Job, um, chapters thirty-one, I think it is, or twenty-eight through thirty-one, where God says to Job, um, hey, "Were you there when I, when I put the constellations in the in the sky? Were you yeah. there when I?" When I made uh, the atmospheric pressure work so beautifully, were you there, Job? <laughs> when I put the planets in, I like the way God describes it. It says that He He puts them in space mm. and held them there. You know, like like people scientifically have come up with all these different you know mm. theories of of how everything is. By the way, I, it blows me away to pe- people to believe in evolution in, in in any way possible because, you know, God He's He's so powerful and so immense, you know, that his the way his world works, the way his universe works, the, how beautiful it is. The Hubble telescope, for example, when you look through it and see the colors and the shapes, the perfection of his universe, it's it's mind-boggling. When a person just takes the, takes a moment, Molly, what, what do you see here? Uh, a hand. What about my hand? It's mo- the fingers are moving up and down. 
Yeah. Um, there's two hinges in it. See the see the hinge here? Uh-huh. And that hinge there? Uh-huh. See all the stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. Molly, this has been um, working for 67 years nonstop. That's amazing. I haven't had to oil it. <laughs> My fingers work. Look, they're still working. You have to feed it. What's that? You do have to feed it, like. Feed yeah, yeah, I got to feed my body. Yeah. But it's it's rest and if stuff. I cut it, Molly, it oh, grows back. It's regenerative. Yeah. Well, yeah, not if you cut it off, but if you cut it. Yeah, yeah, isn't that something? The God's uh-huh. creation, the way He made the eye, the way He made the ear. Oh, it's it's amazing. There's everything about the human body is miraculous, and for people to think that we came out of this spark somehow, you know, that yeah. we evolved somehow, it's just preposterous. You, the scriptures are so true. Mm-hmm. Only the fool has said in his heart that there mm-hmm. is no God. You know, so so I, I can't even go there. I, I can't take the time to even argue with people on that level. All I have to say is to them, like, you're really missing it. And you can't really see the beauty and extraordinary creativeness and creation Unless your eyes have been opened and you get to see this amazing God. The very first moment I got saved, 1977, at 22 years old, my eyes were open to creation. The first two things that happened to me is I saw God in creation and I saw him through his word. I could understand both for the first time in my life. That's amazing. Evidences of, of salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I say to young people, I say to this to everyone, that if those two things aren't evident in your life, if, you, if you're not overwhelmed with a sunset if you're not overwhelmed with the beauty of his creation like we're going to do maple syrup here in a few weeks <laughs> just blows me away at how god thought all that through you know that mm. the sap was going to come you know when it gets cold at night it's going to come down into the roots and then when it warms up into the day the sap is going to rise you just stick a hole in the tree put a bucket there and it fills it with sap and you cook it's it crazy. and it gives you maple syrup for pancakes mm-hmm. <laughs> i think god loves pancakes <laughs> <laughs> so there could be oh. a case for that. Okay, so back to uh, the knowledge of God. So yeah, that's kind of where my mind would go to for what even is the knowledge of God is is that. Okay, so if you have the knowledge of God, what can you expect to happen in your life if you have that? Ah, uh, great success. <laughs> yeah, Molly, you can find cures to cancer. You can find cures to Parkinson's, to Alzheimer's. You can build cathedrals, you can be an architect, you can be an amazing farmer and come up with new systems. You can drive a vehicle that doesn't cost you anything for fuel. We, we know of someone that was able to, I don't know what it's called, where he split the hydrogen and the car works on, works on water, mm. you know, and, and uh, we found this other guy <clears throat> that we came across just recently where he was able to, um, it was a small one passenger vehicle and um, he was able to get this car based on the compression of the braking system that the return energy allowed the vehicle to keep going. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, no fuel cost. Hmm. It was pretty, just simply amazing. So when you have the knowledge of God, there's nothing that we can't accomplish. It, it revolutionizes not just our lives, but everyone around us in the entire world. And that's, what we're, that's what's lacking today. What's lacking today more than anything well, obviously, a relationship with the God of the universe, but then after that, wisdom. Mm. Wisdom's lacking. And the reason I believe wisdom is lacking is because people are not willing to pay a price for it. Mm. We must be willing to say, enough is enough. I want more. And, and if you don't, if all you do is live this life complacent, um, just getting enough out of it that it doesn't require too much of yourself, then when you stand before God, 
I, I think you'll be disappointed. Mm. I really do. Because that's when God is going to say either well done or I gave you so much, why didn't you use it? Mm. He's given us 30, 60, 100-fold. Mm-hmm. He says that's what he wants in his return and his investment in us. God has invested in each person the death of his son. He expects with that investment of the cost of his son a return on his investment in us. First, he gives us salvation for free if we ask for it. If we call upon the name of the Lord, realize that we're a sinner and we need his salvation, need his grace and mercy and his great atonement. And once we understand that, from there, if we then realize how much we've been given, now we give back to God and say, okay, God, I'm willing to pay a price here. I'm willing to study here. Mm. I'm willing to read this here. I'm willing to get rid of my TV. I'm willing to get rid of my video games. Lord, I want to get rid of all that stuff, not because I'm using them as a sacrifice to you. I'm getting rid of all this stuff so that they don't hold me down, weigh me down, so that I can pursue the knowledge of God. And now I'm beginning to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Mm. And the beauty of it is, is that when we become a lifelong learner, all of a sudden that knowledge, that knowledge attached to the knowledge of God, all of a sudden starts giving us new direction and new acquaintances, new relationships and new books. And all of a sudden you're gaining all this new knowledge and you're like, it moves you in different directions. You start mm. businesses. You start, you start doing things. You start investing, and all of a sudden, you realize, okay, that thirty, sixty, a hundredfold, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going to give back to God now. And mm. now your life becomes a life of worship. That's beautiful. I think one of my favorite things, in addition to that, is so you're accumulating all this knowledge. But one of the things here in two ten is when wisdom enters your heart, then knowledge is pleasant to your soul. So we saw like the fools hated knowledge, but here like you're learning and it doesn't feel like it's learning. It's like it's pleasant and it's refreshing and it blows you away. You can't get enough of it. Yeah. Let's think of this. (laughs) So if you follow those eight steps and pursue Mm -hmm. wisdom like you're pursuing hidden treasure, Mm -hmm. okay, more than silver, you're not pursuing any of this stuff for financial gain. You're pursuing it because you want to know God, okay? Mm-hmm. As you do those eight steps, then God helps you, number one, to understand the fear of the Lord, which is simply what? Loving what God loves and hating what God hates. Simple as that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> it really is that simple because if you if you mm-hmm. pursue wisdom, then God is going to allow you, then you will, if you do this, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, mm. and you will the fear of Yahweh. The, you're, you're, you, you will not want to hurt your relationship with someone who loves you so much, and so you're going to want to do the things mm. that please Him the most. Mm-hmm. And as you do that, then God, in return, helps you to know, to gain the knowledge. You will find the knowledge of God. I, I can't. I, this is immeasurable. The knowledge of God, just a pinhead of his knowledge is more than our brains can even contain. Okay? <laughs> yeah. That's how much we're talking about. Just a little tiny uh-huh. pinhead of God's knowledge uh-huh. that will give you more than you could ever dream of. It can change the world. Uh-huh. And then, second then, knowledge will become, as you said, mm-hmm. pleasant. Pleasant to your soul. To your soul. It changes yeah. who you are on the inside. And it's not like this isn't something that is attainable because it says in verse 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. So it's he's got this massive amount of wisdom. 
I always get this visual picture when I read this verse or when I see it. I think like if the sky above were just wisdom, if it was just like big and blue and like massive and God just stores it up. And I just look at God. I'm like, hey, can I have a little bit of wisdom? And he just opens up like this little hole in the sky and a little bit just comes out and he closes it up. There's like still tons and tons and tons of wisdom that he's storing up Mm -hmm. and he'll give it to you. But I mean, like you said, there's a bit of a cost. We, we, we haven't scratched the surface, and the more you, the more, the deeper you dive into wisdom, the more you will never want to return. And the more you realize, like how small you are, <laughs> and how much you don't understand the way God thinks. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that with Job because the elemental question of the book was never answered. Because Job said, "Hey, why is this happening to me? What's going on?" and God never answers Job. He never tells him, hey, there was this guy who came and it was a big test or, hey, you know, you were a legalist, whatever. He doesn't say anything. He's just like, do you even understand me? Do you understand what I'm saying? And he just says all this stuff and then he's gone and Job's like, whoa. And he realizes his place before God and then continues with his life. You know, it's interesting you say that because I'm studying Job right now and Mm -hmm. the New Testament says, what about Job? Hmm. Do you know? Um... I'm not, I remember. In the New Testament, in the book of James, let's turn there. In James chapter uh, 5, it says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You -hmm. have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercies. Oh, interesting. Now, I'm going to unpack that because this is so cool that you brought this up yeah. in regard to wisdom because the, the whole book of Job is about wisdom. Mm-hmm. In fact, I told you in in, um, in Exodus, I think it's in Exodus Deuteronomy, the word wisdom appears only eight times. Hmm. But in Job, it appears 18 times, 16 or 18 times. And then in Psalms, another eight or nine times. And then like, I don't know, 39 times in Proverbs and another... 20-sometimes in Ecclesiastes, Mm. very few in other places. And the reason it appears in Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes are those are the main, some of the main wisdom books besides Psalm and Song of Solomon. Okay, so James chapter 5, and James is known as what kind of book in the New Testament? The wisdom book. It's the only wisdom book in the New Testament. So some theologians would say that James is the Old Testament book of the New Testament. Interesting. Behold, we count them happy. You see that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the word happy is an amazing word. It's marcarizo or marquizo. Mecarizo um, would be the way some would pronounce this. And it means to beautify. Ooh, is that um, verse 11? That's verse 11. Because my, uh, my version says blessed. Well, behold, we count them blessed. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not a very good translation because it's not the word for blessing. Um, it's the word to count somebody happy, mm. but more than count somebody happy is to beautify them. And that's cool. That's what wisdom does. It blesses you by making you beautiful. Mm. Your words are beautiful. The way you look is beautiful. The way you create is beautiful. It's kind of that idea of refining in the fire, yes. like gold. Yes. So this is an interesting phrase, what's being Revealed here, behold, we count them happy mm. who do what? Endure. Hupomeno. Hupomeno. Okay? To willingly stay under in order to lift up. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're willing to stay under because you know that God is eventually going to lift you up. Mm. So it may be tough for a while. Mm. 
People are in a difficult marriage situation. Mm-hmm. Place yourself under. Be willing to be placed under. You're not going to stay there forever. God's not going to let you drown. Mm. He will lift you up. There's that childlike faith. Yeah, and it's never easy to stay under that long, you know, because you feel like, Lord, I, I can't take this anymore. I need your help. Mm-hmm. Or you might feel like this with a child that you're having a difficult time. You're the only parent in the universe that could have that child. God knew exactly what the child needed. I know there's a family right now on the West Coast Difficult child. Since the time he was five until the time he was 15, every day was a struggle. You know, constant struggle with him and his siblings. And today, now at 18, he's doing so well. The parents stayed with it. You Mm. know, they knew that they were the only parents on this earth that could have dealt with this child, even though it took a lot out of their marriage, took a Mm. lot out of their own happiness. But today, they're extremely happy. Yeah, they're celebrating. Behold, we count them happy, which endure, who have heard, oh, just heard about it, that heard the patience or endurance of Job. And that word endurance there, the word patience there, Mm -hmm. is the word for cheerful endurance. Mm -hmm. So you move from being placed under extreme difficulty and pressure to a place where now the endurance is more a cheerful endurance because you're like, I see the end of the tunnel. I mm. see where I see what God's doing. So now you've heard of the endurance of Job and have seen. Ah, I see the two things. Mm. You hear and you see. And I've seen the, what does your, your say? End intended by the Lord. The end. You don't see the end. <laughs> You're really seeing the goal. Mm. You're seeing the goal that God had for Job's suffering. Mm. What is the goal? that God had for Job's suffering, what was his primary goal? That the Lord is very, what? Compassionate and merciful. And the word here is not just compassionate. It's the word for extremely compassionate. Mm. How would you get that by reading Job? No. No, really. Job endured so much. He lost his seven children. He was a seven or ten. Um, he mm-hmm. lost so much. Mm-hmm. He went through so much physical suffering. His friends turned against him. And yeah, yet, it doesn't seem like a compassionate book. <laughs> it doesn't at all, does it? And no. by the way, this word here is the only time it appears in the Bible. Weird. The Lord is extremely compassionate and... Merciful. Tender mercy. Mm. Tenderly compassionate. So bringing us all full circle, this is so cool because we're talking about what? Wisdom. And what does it take to gain wisdom? A cost. What did Job have to pay? He had to pay a cost. Extreme amount. Yeah. As a result of Job's willing to pay a price, he received wisdom in the end. And you know Mm -hmm. what God told him at the very end? He said, Job, I want you to look at all of creation. I want you to look at the animals. God gives an illustration of an ostrich. He gives an illustration of a lion. He gives an illustration of all these different animals. He gives an illustration of animals that are the king of the forest. He gives an illustration of animals that can't even take care of themselves. He gives an illustration of all kinds of things going on in creation. He talks about how the planets have been created. And he goes to Job. He goes, I take care of everything <laughs> from the least until the greatest. He goes, I don't disregard anything, mm. especially you. Aww. I've had my eye on you from the beginning, Job. Mm. I knew you've been through a lot, but I just want you to know that I was there with you through the whole thing. Your sufferings were not your own. I suffered with you. Oh, that's so much better than what I was originally taking out of it. 
only because, only because I wanted you to be able to live a life of wisdom that was not your own wisdom and not just your fear of me being powerful, but of your fear of me being gentle and loving. Mm. So that when you thought of me, you didn't think of me as being this God that was distant, but this God that was very close. Mm. I was with you every step of the way. And Job, as you live the rest of your life now with true wisdom, you will know that I am very compassionate and love you very much because now you know me intimately like you've never known me before. Mm. And that's the cost of wisdom. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit fastenedlikenails.net and fill out the form. That's fastenedlikenails.net.